It's a cartoon revolution. I'm Deidre. And I'm Sonia. Why cartoon revolution? Because the cartoons we love aren't just for kids anymore. Cartoons have something to say and change to inspire, and we're here to break it down for you. Whether it's anime or Pixar, 2D or CG. Join us as we take cartoons too seriously and discover their hidden meanings and revolutionary ideas. Hey, uh, what's up? Not much. I'm a Barbie girl. Are you a Barbie girl? <laughs> in a Barbie world. <laughs> yeah. Or, or in other words, hey, Barbie. <laughs> hey, Barbie. Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited to talk about this topic aka barbie as everyone so seems excited. to be going through barbie mania but yeah. we do have one quick thing we want to talk about first before we get too into the episode i'm sure some of our listeners have already heard but there is a big commotion going on in hollywood right now which is basically the writer's strike so the wga writers guild of america went on strike starting in may and since then the sag aftra strike has joined forces as well which is actors, so, right? Yes, and it's getting bigger and bigger, and they're trying to negotiate with the AMPTP, which is the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers. And they're basically just asking for like a modern contract to address some really modern issues because a lot of these issues that are coming up deal with things like AI and streaming, which have now become so big. Yeah, I mean, I think it makes sense. Like these strikes are coming at a time when We've seen like massive change over the last two decades to how we consume TV and movies. A lot of us stream it now. A lot of us are going to the movie theater less and less. There was a pandemic. There's been a lot of changes to the way that we work as well. And just overall a consciousness in general that we are all underpaid. <laughs> and mm -hmm. the people at the top are making ridiculous amounts of money off of the labor that we perform. So it's just kind of like a perfect storm of issues that have led to the strike where actors and writers feel that they're underpaid. They feel that issues like AI, like streaming and compensation have been ignored for too long and that this is kind of a breaking point for them. So Hollywood really is that kind of a standstill with some exceptions like animation actually has not been as impacted yet. And indie movies and production companies have not yet been really impacted. And a lot of these things, we will not see its impact on entertainment for a while to come. But there really is going to be a, a dearth of scripted, acted content coming up. And yeah, and I guess just to say that we support writers and actors and solidarity with all of those on strike. Yeah, exactly. And to be clear, the, the WGA and SAG-AFTRA have not called for a consumer strike as of now, so they're not asking you to stop streaming. But be patient, be supportive, because a, a lot of uh, shows that were supposed to be coming up, like Stranger Things, Yellow Jackets, Cobra Kai, have been halted. And right now, it's just a bit of a waiting game. And I think it's also coinciding with a lot of other labor movements across the country and the world. The These U.S. Of, especially, I've been hearing a lot. Yeah, like Starbucks, Amazon. There's, I think, a truckers group unionizing that serves Florida. Many also. truckers are homeless, I didn't realize. Yeah, everybody deserves a livable wage and respect. So here's to a massive shift in that direction across the workforce, hopefully. So if you have questions and you're confused about what to do during the strike, how to be supportive, what it means, you can go to the sagafterstrike.org website and you can also follow them on social media. I believe it's uh, hashtag sagafterstrike. And there's information on what they're standing for, what it means for you. There's a great article from The Hollywood Reporter that outlines a lot of these questions about the SAG after strike that has been helpful to just understand. And then a video from like a creator called Naomi Cannibal, who doesn't normally do this stuff, but she does outline some of the reasons for the strike and some background. And then she also puts a lot of great resources for people. And I think it's just nice to have that all in one space. It's called... Hollywood has a problem, colon, AI, strikes, and unfair wages. Hey, it's Deidre, and so I couldn't find the Hollywood Reporter article I had originally um, 
mentioned here. So instead, what I did is I actually found a Vulture article called The 2023 Hollywood Strike for Dummies by Jason P. Frank. And that is just a very general about uh, what's going on in Hollywood and with the Writers Guild of America. I would definitely recommend checking that out. I also found the WGA contract bulletin where uh, the WGA compiled all this information and uh, statistics and basically break down how they came to the conclusion to, to strike in the first place. And there's some pretty striking numbers in here. If this is the kind of thing you're interested in, I definitely would recommend checking it out. And of course, I do have that Naomi Cannibal video called Hollywood Has a Problem, AI Strikes and Unfair Wages, and that's on YouTube. And all three of these resources, I've put them into the description for this, uh, for this episode. So you can check all of those out through there. I would definitely recommend taking a look at those. All right, back to the episode. All right, should we get started? And hi, we're back from the hiatus. I guess oh, we yeah. didn't say that in the beginning. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was just so, felt like a nap, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Speaking of class consciousness and deep political <laughs> issues, Ew. let's talk Barbie mania, specifically the Barbie animated movies. Obviously, this is a cartoon podcast. We're primarily interested in the animated medium. But just to give some people some context, Barbie is probably something you already know about, but it's a fashion doll manufactured by American toy company Mattel and launched in 1959, created by American businesswoman Ruth Handler, who came up with the idea after seeing her own daughter, Barbara, whom she named Barbie after, giving her dolls adult roles. So previously, most dolls sold to younger girls were babies rather than adults. And so Barbie was incredibly successful because it allowed girls to explore many different roles and possibilities for themselves, from Barbie as an astronaut to princesses to the president, often before any of those things actually became real for women, including president, unfortunately. So in the late 1980s and early 90s, these Barbie dolls kind of saw a decline in sales as a result of many factors, increased competition, second wave feminism as well, which kind of criticized Barbie's ridiculous physique. And so Mattel actually ended up launching a digital media franchise of animated movies to engage younger girls and boost sales. And the movies were a massive success to date with the recent Barbie live action movie, which just came out. There are 42 Barbie movies culminating in the re recent release of the live action movie directed by Greta Gerwig. There's also music and TV shows. It's, it's really a huge franchise. So yeah, the latest release has been a massive success and there's been a huge wave of Barbie mania and nostalgia, especially for us. So naturally, we're going to be talking about the franchise mainly through the animated movies, but we'll also discuss the Barbie movie a little bit. So my opening question, though, for you, Deidre, is our first exposure, at least I'm assuming it was for me, was definitely the CGI animated movies in like the early 2000s, which was around the same time that I was starting to play with dolls. So what was your experience with the Barbie animated movies and the toys as well? Like, what did they mean to you as a kid growing up? And did you have any like favorite movies then? Yeah, there's okay. So Barbie was a big presence in our household. I have two younger sisters in case, <gasps> I know I definitely said it before, but <laughs> just in case I didn't say it clearly enough and you missed it. I'm from a family with three girls. <laughs> and yes. so, yeah, so Barbie, at least between myself and my first sister, yeah, we would have Barbie toys. I was quite bossy. I had a very particular Barbie, which was a ballerina Barbie with like a plastic crown that was attached to her head and she had movable joints. Like wow. it wasn't quite ball jointed, but yeah. And then I also had a suitcase with her stuff. face on it. I, yeah, you know, those like really cheap plastic suitcases, <laughs> but I could put all my Barbie shit in there. And wow. Yeah, I really, we had a you dollhouse. You must have been the coolest kid on the block. I, no, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I, we had a lot of uh, Barbie fun and the animated movies. I was there from the jump, right? Wow. Barbie Nutcracker. I remember wow. that coming out and we were like, we got to watch this. We did play Barbie Detective, which mm. loved. 
yeah that's like one of the very few games like video games that i actually finish like i can count those on my hand and that's i think there's two <laughs> that i've actually finished a full video game Amazing. <laughs> yeah but then my youngest sister my dad had her or he was just like this is so girly we got a daughter but i'm gonna play bionicles and like goes with her and so she didn't quite get into barbie as far as i know but gotcha. i really got into it yeah bionicles was so many pieces but <laughs> to me that was like an adult game yeah an adult quote unquote <laughs> adult. <laughs> so responsible <laughs> yeah what about you yeah i mean i this is obviously so long ago but i definitely have memories of being in bed and watching nutcracker and rapunzel and swan lake like on the vhs like system on like our boxy tv yes and that's like the most fond wholesome fun memories I have of childhood is just watching those movies including with my brother which was kind of cool because this was like the period of childhood before either of us learned gender roles or like gendered toys and stuff like after that he or really at the time but much later on as well he became obviously more engaged with Legos and Bionicles as well and and you know everything that's considered more boyish but he would loved watching the Barbie movies with me before he was like taught that it was weird for a boy to do that and so that was like a fun thing for us to do but I remember receiving my Swan Lake Barbie I had the Swan Lake and the Rapunzel and I was so happy like this mm. was like the highlight of my life at the time and then for Christmas I got the the Barbie Swan Lake like castle set it was like huge it was really big oh. and I was like this is the best thing in the world like I was so excited and we'd just like play with the dolls me and friends and it was just so fun like pure boundless imagination watching them back I, I have some different Barbie movies that I like but my favorite was definitely the ones that I also had the dolls for which were Rapunzel oh. and Swan Lake yeah. Okay, so that's interesting because we never got the Barbies that were related to the animated uh, movies. And yeah, I don't that was know a if it's part for me. I was living in Bangkok at the time, so I don't know if maybe that has something to do with it, like the distribution yeah. or what at the time. Yeah, and I think it definitely like my preference definitely says a lot about my interests, even now, but as a child also, which is always like magic princesses like fantasy like I wasn't interested in like the Barbies that had normal jobs I guess like I wanted the magical stuff and that definitely tells you a lot about how I treat like imagination it's very transporting like as far away as possible as imaginative as possible usually otherworldly so so you said that uh your adult preferences are different in terms of like your favorite barbie movies so what okay now what is your favorite now that we've had a yeah. chance to just binge <laughs> so many <laughs> let me just say that this was the most fun i've had prepping for an episode because i just watched a bunch of barbie movies which are like three dollars to rent on apple tv and I had so much fun as an adult watching these movies because they're so silly and wholesome. The animation is horrendous, but also still like so endearing. No, I'm going to fight you on that. There's like, <laughs> so, I, I, I don't think it's horrendous. <laughs> okay, come on. Okay, horrendous. <laughs> okay, it depends. Okay, we can t tell me your favorite first okay, okay. and then we'll we'll fight. So I think my favorite now is either Princess and the Popper or I also really liked Princess Charm School. Uh, I did not watch Princess Charm School and I didn't get to re-watching Princess and the Popper actually, which I, I I'm going cried. to do anyway after mm -hmm. this, but I, I wasn't expecting Princess Charm School. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that one, like, it, it was one of the first ones to have a more modern take. It's basically like... It was like next phase. Yeah, yeah, it's like peasant girl gets picked like from the lottery to go to the princess school, which is very elite. And she has to learn how to be all proper. And then, of course, there's like a secret plot twist that makes her kind of royal for real. But it's it's very much about like class consciousness and how like being a princess is not necessarily about being born into luxury or status. It's about character and kindness, which, of course, is a theme throughout all of the films. But this was the most obvious way that they said it. And it's just really fun. It's, it's school vibes. It's like kind of Hogwartsy or like prep school vibes, which is a fun trope. What about you? My favorite would be Barbie Fairytopia Mermaidia. So the second Fairytopia movie. I mean, not really, but for no. me. <laughs> <laughs> I, so I, I was like going back and I, I chose to watch just like a big spread 
of like I watched some of the old OG like that's what I got into Barbie animated movies and then I watched some of like the middle part with like Barbie surfs up I think no 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 that's a different movie Barbie it's (laughs) mermaid power it's princess oh no it's the one there's a couple mermaid ones right and there's a couple surfing ones (laughs) (laughs) there's a dolphin one too right (laughs) yeah it was okay it came out it yeah, it was one of the middle ones anyway. I I can find it, but I won't right now. And and I also watched the newer the newest section iteration of like Barbie Big City Big Dreams. That's where Ooh. there's Black Barbie or Brooklyn Barbie. But still at the end of the day, Barbie Fairytopia Mermaidia. I think I really liked the Barbie Fairytopia like group of movies and I feel like it was the first one that was a series of movies. Yeah. Because I think there's three that, Mm -hmm. yeah, they're all in the same universe. Plus Mm -hmm. there was Mariposa, which was like not quite, yeah, it's kind of like a story in a story, right? Mm -hmm. And it's in the fairytopia thing. It's a girl who looks like Barbie, but it's not Barbie. But it has some of the creepiest characters, looking characters ever. Like the Voldemort turtle scarred me. For so long, I was See, like, while well, I was CGI has an effect, I... like blobby, weird looking characters. It's just funny because they're like bad guys, like the fungus characters in that series. I feel like we're designed pretty well. Like I understand what they mean. They don't creep me out that much, but they're still like, I can get the feeling that they're gross and stuff. But like the good quote unquote, some of the good characters, like the, the Voldemort turtle, like these like uh-huh. two scary ass little big-headed people thing they were really scary I was like sending my sister clips of it anyway that's a biodiversity Barbie biodiversity wow (laughs) that's true yeah that actually kind of makes sense from a person who likes animals a lot (laughs) that you would like the fairy and mermaid style ones yeah I, I, I really liked the mermaidia one because just some of the characters are so sassy in like a fun way that's a really good transition into what I wanted to talk about which is how the root of the Barbie as a character at the start is pretty similar the first few movies like she's kind she values her female friendship a lot she's likable and helpful but ultimately fairly bland and purposefully so that anyone can really project themselves onto her but it's kind of interesting to see Barbie as a character become a little bit more fleshed out in different movies like the first time I noticed it like I think the first three Barbie movies she's pretty much the same character in all three but in Princess and the Popper, that's when you have two Barbies with pretty clear interesting hobbies and interests and goals like there's I think it's Annalise is the princess and she's like interested in science and then there's Erica and she's in debt <laughs> and she like her she wants to become a singer and travel the world and so they have more to them than just being a nice girl who's trying to save the world or their family and then later on I watched the Pegasus one she has like a little bit of a sassy nature she's a little bit more outgoing and athletic and just like is overall like very sassy and then later movies as well you just see some more depth or, or alteration between the Barbies, which is interesting. But the root of all of them is the same, which is they're kind, they're helpful and selfless and brave, which I think speaks to why people love Barbie. It's just like a very pure version of femininity that is aspirational and beautiful, but oftentimes also somewhat limiting or bland in some way. But yeah, yeah, what are your thoughts on like Barbie as a character in these movies and like how she has maybe evolved throughout the films, especially as feminism and politics have gotten more complex? Yeah, I think it's interesting because I'm hearing so much of the discourse that seems, t- especially around race, yeah, which is understandable, but it's... um. It's just interesting for me to hear because it's so, I guess, like U.S. centric in terms of how people are relating to Barbie. Yeah. Uh, but it's just it's interesting to me because a lot of these issues with race is like I didn't really notice when I was younger. I was like, oh, it's a Barbie. Me too. Yeah. I didn't really think for a, for a lot of people who are not white, a lot of these characters that we see on television and in toys, they're just not going to look like us. And we, when we're younger anyway, at least like for our generation, right? We get used to empathizing with someone who is not us or like, you know, a character that is not us. 
Yeah. And, you know, when we're younger, we're not thinking, hey, this is like some white girl who is showing up everywhere. But at the same time, I I do remember getting the sense that the the black bar, uh, Teresa and Teresa's not black, but Teresa's like brown. I don't know where she, exactly she's from. And who's the other girl? There were two people of color friends of Barbies and one of them are and both of them basically I would see them on the shelves and they were always left on the shelves people were always looking for the blonde Barbie and that I did notice because I also didn't I was like to be honest I was also just like I want Barbie like she's yeah who are these other two like (laughs) there wasn't that that same connection because they're just they're always used as like side characters anyway still right um, the franchise is called Barbie like it's it's called Barbie characters yeah 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 I um, see what you're saying and it but it changes it just because I watched a smattering of movies I noticed there is a change and a shift and even mm. now I think the current Barbie is not played by a white lady if I'm not mistaken oh, so cool. there's stuff going on there's there's and Brooklyn Barbie is an actual black Barbie and that's in the current franchise I believe nice yeah I think yeah. it's definitely tried to change with the times but yeah definitely as a child like I just wanted the blonde one as well and it I definitely probably associated blondness with beauty and lightness as beauty as a result which is incredibly sad but at the time I just thought oh this is pretty and like this is the Barbie you know so I think part of it is just like as a franchise it's not really made well at the start for the kind of diversity that people are looking for in this era like it's always been that that kind of classic emphasis of like thin, white, blonde, beautiful as it always has been. And it's like, it's very hard to like rebrand something that for which that is like its central brand. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I really appreciate liked, the efforts, yeah. Yeah, I really liked what they said in the new Barbie live action movie, mm-hmm. which was basically the point that like we put so much pressure on this doll, but she wasn't really designed to represent anyone but she kind of grew or has been trying to grow to be more inclusive and i think that's like a good point because if you look at the fact that barbie was made in the 60s when like you know hardly any people of color had any decision making you know if any in how barbie was going to be marketed like they weren't included as like the target demographic she wasn't supposed to supposed to be relatable but if most people in power are are cis and white then that's like what they're gonna be aiming for and that's what they did aim for so it it also makes sense and then we've just over time just projected so much onto onto this doll and it's really interesting to hear the discourse because some people like really actively hate barbie yeah and I know that I didn't feel that way. I, one of the things that I liked about the Mermaidia movie, and it's not the first one, but there is this sense of working together and supporting another woman. It just, I really liked that there was a this like collaborative effort to support each other on the journey and their tasks always kind of needed the both of them to be working together. And I thought that was pretty special. Beautiful, love it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it really does change or reflect culture at the time like I definitely think early 2000s it was very simple just want to have fun then feminism started becoming more of a thing people were caring a lot more about character what it's teaching kids things like that and then later on like in the late 2010s it became a lot more about like women's powers and abilities and and things like that like I noticed we got more of like Barbie as a superhero and like Barbie as like oh yeah I did not I did not watch that but I saw that on Netflix yeah 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 right (laughs) even the Princess Academy one that one also centers female friendship a lot which I really liked but it was also very much undoing a lot of the princessy tropes that they themselves had established in the first few films and trying to unpack a little bit more about like how anyone can be a princess like it's a much more equitable version of what being a princess or an ideal woman is you can really see them sort of responding to that throughout each movie which goes more to the point what you were saying earlier which is Barbie has always been a site of infinite possibility like that's always been its role is like I as a child can imagine myself through Barbie I can make Barbie anything I want to be and therefore make myself anything I want to be through just the imagination of playing with this doll or like placing my character on this 
bland character that they've painted for me on screen. And that lends itself really well to the live action where it talks exactly about that dissonance of Barbie is everyone and everything. But at the same time, how do you describe all of womanhood and femininity within one doll, especially one that looks in a very specific way? I think it's it's just really interesting to see how Barbie has evolved over the years and how we've talked about the cycles of nostalgia. And this is the time, perfect time for Barbie mania. Like everyone's reflecting. Everyone our age is the generation that grew up with these movies. And now we're also of the age where people are starting to have children themselves. So they're also starting to think about what will my child play with or like what will they like consume media wise or like how will they envision themselves in the world so it's a perfect time to be discussing Barbie's legacy and just how it's going to continue to change and persist in the future if I want to talk a little bit about Ken because he's he's quite mm-hmm. an important character in the live action too so I think we should it's worth talking about him in the animated movies because mm-hmm. Ken as well has changed a lot over time and he was very very bland in the beginning and he took a long I, th- I feel like he took longer than Barbie did to develop a character <laughs> he's which is gross. understandable he's he's the Puberty accessory time <laughs> yeah I know did you have a Ken doll I don't think I ever had a single one. Yeah, neither did I. It was just like, I'm not interested. (laughs) Which is so funny because they tried to push this male companion. And it's like, it really goes to show what young girls care about. And it's not boys. It's themselves and like their future and imagination and like And ponies. And ponies. Yeah, of course. (laughs) And cool castles. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm trying to think because like the very first movie, so Barbie and the Nutcracker, like you don't actually know. I mean, you know, it's Ken, but he doesn't look like Ken for. He looks scary as the Nutcracker. It's like. Weird. Oh, I liked it. I liked ah, it. Not like <laughs> I mean, it's it's creepy, but just because like we get creeped out by those kinds of dolls. I don't know. Do you have a favorite Ken? What is I mean, other than the dolls, right? I don't mm, feel like he's a character that I necessarily think too much about I just know that he's there he's the prince that kind of saves Barbie but she really just saves herself yeah and that's something that I really liked too is that yeah savior narrative Barbie achieved way before Disney honestly but yeah I I don't think I cared or noticed Ken at all watching the movies as a child but watching them as an adult there's definitely a lot of aspects to him that I like, like in Princess and the Popper, they're both very like respectful of Barbie's journey and dreams. <laughs> and the Ken in the Pegasus movie also is like one of the first that I noticed to actually have like personality. He's very like sassy and he also has his own sort of arc, character arc, which they usually don't. Like usually it's Barbie's journey, but his character arc kind of matches or parallels Barbie's in an interesting way that showcases their ability to like work together and understand each other in a way that I think is really awesome for that time but overall I just love how Ken is very much a supporting character and it's not like the end goal for most of the movies it's very much about Barbie's journey and Ken is just something that like grew out of her as like I guess heteronormative needs in society to ensure that you know this is a part of women's happiness that we are learning (laughs) through these movies but still they make sure to make sure it's all about Barbie which is really important and in a lot of the movies like he's very much he's like a background character like in the Princess Academy movie he has maybe 10 lines max and he's in like two scenes so I think it's really really great that they don't require him necessarily in all the movies his character changes a lot Mm -hmm. over time he's become from like this Prince Charming type into more Mm -hmm. of like a himbo type which I find really funny. I love, Mm -hmm. I do really love Barbie Life in the Dream House. Have you watched that? No, I haven't. Oh, it's so good, Sonia. It's the, it was started as a web series. (laughs) It's literally just like the Barbies in a dream house being all like, wink, wink, we're Barbies. So things are plastic (laughs) and life is fantastic. You know, (laughs) I, I see a lot of hints of that in the Barbie movie. Anyway, within the, within Barbie life in the dream house. I feel like that was kind of like the first inklings of seeing Ken as this more like hottie that loves Barbie, Mm -hmm. but also is like, he loves her a lot to the point where she's doing her own thing, but Mm -hmm. he's just like, I love you, Barbie. And I want to support you. And I'm the best boyfriend. Yeah, Ken. He what a guy. He has also grown yeah, in a himbo true. way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, that's also a reflection of like culture and society. Cause I remember there was definitely a phase in maybe the late 2010s, or honestly still kind of 
early 2020s, which is like the himbo man as like an attractive character. Like he's big and stupid, but he loves you and cares about you and takes care of you. You know, not everyone is into that, of oh, course, you know? but it was definitely a phase. Yeah. Oh yeah. And PBS has a great video on their YouTube channel about the himbo. And I just love that it's coming out of PBS. <laughs> I think that's so great. <laughs> Important. Um, <laughs> yeah so do you feel just given how you have related to barbie do you feel like there's elements of like sexism in there i know that that's that is an argument that is made about barbie and we, we we've discussed a lot about female power and mm -hmm. her relationship to ken but just like at the end of the day do you feel like that argument holds water at all yeah i mean i think definitely visually that's very clear like i don't think there's been many barbies or at least in all of the movies that i've seen like it's a very specific very thin very beautiful version of barbie um i it would have been nice to get some like role reversal in the sense that like there's barbies like in the nutcracker where ken is like the beastly one or the weird looking one and it's like love shows through that anyway despite what he looks like but that narrative is not shown in the reverse with barbie being like not super thin and beautiful you know I don't see it as much narrative. I think there's something to be said about Barbie's selflessness. I think it's definitely pushing a narrative that ideal femininity is one that is very selfless and kind and caring, which is like a very traditional nurturing sort of femininity, which all of us have known or has been around for a long time. So it might have been nice to have more versions of Barbie that are more independent and kind of selfish and like have dreams that are more central to the plot rather than just something to make the character more interesting but I think some of the later Barbies that I've seen like play around well with that but absolutely the way that I think sexism is subverted is in the way that it celebrates female friendship across almost every single movie I think like that is the most important aspect and not even just like female friendship but also intergenerational female friendships like a lot of the Barbie movies are frame stories in which the older Barbie is like passing along some message to a younger Barbie and it's just I, I think it's a really beautiful thing that most of the conflicts are subverted through some sort of sisterhood or female friendship and it's not just Barbie and Ken or Barbie alone and I think that's fundamentally a narrative that's empowering because the whole purpose of sexism is to destabilize women, turn them against each other, make them hate each other, be jealous of each other. But really the antidote to that is women uniting strong together, which is central to feminism. So I think there's elements of both there, but personally, I still read more feminist messages to it, but in within like a problematic visual package i suppose yeah it's it's kind of a push and pull and both can be true i think we can hold both truths right in both hands so yeah i i agree i think because of how the barbie franchise kind of came about and how central the sing this single barbie is to the entire franchise it just feels like it's always been a little shackled by that fact and as the expectations have turned to make it more inclusive of different types of women because the franchise has, has never even though they'll bring in different barbie characters or barbie friends it's still really about barbie all the time but that's different right because we have other products like monster high and brats and those were were really designed as ensemble female groups and so it makes sense that their ability to tell a story of femininity that is a little bit less central on one specific type of woman would be possible. I think that's something that this Barbie franchise has tried to do, but at the end of the day, like I pointed yeah. out before, they're two Barbies, two friends of color for a long time have like have been there visually, but say very little and are pretty much just to support Barbie. Yeah. One other thing that it has going for it is that the queer community in a lot of ways has really embraced Barbie because a significant message throughout the films is just like celebrating yourself and being who you are. Like I became obsessed with the song in Princess and the Popper where she's singing to her cat who is, if you remember, she Barbie Erica in Princess and the Popper has a cat who acts like a dog. It's very yes. much like a dog yeah, the in boy cat. Ways. And there's yeah. a whole scene and song about Erica basically telling her cat who is like a dog that 
she loves him no matter what, that she wouldn't change a single thing about him and to like celebrate who he is. And just that whole message of like a creature feeling more comfortable in a different type of skin or like different type of form who feels out of place, who maybe expresses itself differently is like such a queer narrative. And there's so many elements of that in a lot of the movies. There's a lot of female friendships emphasized in all the movies that are like so strong to basically be read as like love. So like, that's another thing that, well, probably unintended for the most part and probably living within the realm of subtext rather than, you know, clear text it's still a beautiful thing that kind of came through this franchise. So, and that definitely is a pro-feminist message as well. Yeah, I think that's with so much media, right? We can accept what the the studios were trying to do. And then also we can really look at what came as a result about it. And it's never only one thing. It's never purely bad. It's never purely good. And that's interesting. Nuance. Nuance. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So, so, okay, you watched the Barbie live action movie. Yeah. 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 Did you get dressed up? Did you wear pink? I did not. I like honestly just forgot. I was busy. (laughs) I wore like black, which was like the wrong thing to wear. But a lot of people were dressed up in pink and it was really exciting. It was like, it felt like movies are back, you know? The last time I went to a movie theater and people were dressed up was like midnight releases of like Harry Potter and Twilight and those things that I went to in high school. It was so exciting. That's so long ago. That was so long ago. I haven't seen anything like that since. Maybe Star Wars, like. There were Star Wars and The Hobbit that came out a little bit later on in that decade. That was really beautiful to see. But yeah, maybe let's talk about some similarities and differences we noticed from the animated films and some of the new messages and things it explores. This movie is really new. So if you have not watched the Barbie movie and you're worried about spoilers, this is the time to drop out a bit and join us back if you don't want any spoilers. So continue. Some things that I noticed were... Definitely huge similarities regarding celebration of women and sisterhood, exploring individuality and sense of self, like what womanhood means. Like it's such a big concept. There's so many different types of women and it's much more complex than having a type of Barbie for every single version of womanhood. And I think some some of the new stuff that came up was a very direct criticism of patriarchy, like Barbie animated movies, yes, there were strains of feminism, but rarely was there anything around a direct criticism of an entire system like patriarchy. There wasn't really any like anything revolutionary that really happened other than like individual expressions or like character revolutions and things like that. But system revolution did not much happen in Barbie animated films. But also, like we were talking about Ken a little bit, there was a huge exploration on Ken's purpose and the existential crisis it could bring to a character to have essentially its purpose be tied to a more iconic figure like Barbie, which is oftentimes what like women have been relegated to in a lot of narratives is just like side pieces to a man's story. So looking at that from the perspective of a male character was really interesting. There's a lot about like what it means to be human and Barbie's choice in the end to actually experience the anxiety and change and confusion that comes with being a human at the end. And then also the emphasis on motherhood, like in a lot of the Barbie animated movies, parents play a role, but not that much they're mostly used as a plot device or like character development usually one of them's dead or there's their barbie's an orphan something like that but in this one like motherhood and their role in barbie dolls and playing with their child with dolls and what a child who played with barbie dolls growing up might feel about barbie dolls was something that's very new which i really appreciated but what were, <laughs> were some of your reactions <laughs> there's a lot to explore it was just fun. I feel so like in, fun, right? It was fun. I mean, I can we can go and talk more in detail about the specific themes and whether I know like for me narratively there were like certain things that I felt a, it took me a little bit to get into the pacing of the movie and how the plot was developing versus like just all the jokes that were coming in. Yeah, but at the yeah, but at the end of the day, it was just a really fun movie, and I haven't felt like I had that at a movie theater in a long time that collectively we finally all found something that we could laugh about you know i feel like comedies just haven't been doing super well in the box office i mean this is a really big 
budget movie, but props to Greta Gerwig and and the whole team. Their marketing strategy was wild, but you could tell that everyone was having a lot of fun. And I feel like that really showed in the performances that they gave and in how they've been talking about the, the movie during the press releases, things like that. And I think that also speaks to how despite all of Barbie as a franchise's issues and the things that the kind of like hurt that people have projected onto her, whether fair or unfair, there's still like a very strong sense of she was fun and like, yeah, and we're going to have a good time and we can talk about deeper things. But at the end of the day, we're going to make you laugh. I'm going to make you laugh and also give you an emotional roller coaster. Yes, exactly. That's Barbie. That's Barbie. Yeah, I felt the same. Like as much as it was talking about a lot of deep things, like ultimately I just had a lot of fun watching it because it felt like it it was a movie that was like for me like it was really about women and all of the package of what it comes with from like struggling to understand one's purpose a role one's relationship with men dealing with like patriarchy and the very subtle and sinister small ways that it presents itself these days the modern ways it takes form there was just a lot of really good commentary on that in the film about men in boardrooms and like positions of power and the supreme court the jokes about men trying to show you the godfather movie and loving horses driving big cars the horse thing was really funny because i always associate horses with barbie more than yeah right but they really subverted that yeah. that kind of parent because barbie is like her her sidekicks horses horses have always been a really important part of the barbie universe it's so true yeah and there are a lot of like horse horse girls i, I mostly think of horse, horse girls as like a women thing but i think it because it and came also rich with police yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah because you need to have money to have all the gear right yeah but i think um, uh, the emotional core of america Ferrera's character and her daughter as the human entities in this story and like the two relationships that women have with Barbie these days, like America Farah being a slightly older, maybe like millennial age person who reflects with nostalgia on Barbie, like works for the company, imagines different versions of Barbie that she relates with, but also feels some amount of existentialism about the character. And then we have the new generation of Gen Z sort of character who's very anti-Barbie because of political reasons and feminism and all of that. And the reality is everything is like that. Like it's a mixed bag. Ultimately, it's what you feel or place yourself onto about a character or a doll that represents you that becomes your experience. The film overall does a good job of portraying that discrepancy between what a figure is imagined to be and how people actually consume and feel about that object. Yeah, there's a line in the movie that I'm trying to remember, but it has to do with the patriarchy. I think it's when Ken grabs one of these like businessmen who's like in the mm-hmm. lobby and he's just like, are women equal to men or are women better than men? I can't remember exactly what he said. And then the guy like laughs and he's like, that's something about like being able to hide. He was so basically Ken was asking like, is this a patriarchy about the company? He was like, oh, no, we don't do that. And then, oh, but just in small ways, like we just, like he got all like secretive about him. Like, yeah, yeah. Insi- insider. Hail Hydra. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like insider patriarchy. Like it's just smaller, yeah. quieter, subtle ways and that's really where, where we have evolved these people like more aware of sexism and racism and so know how to not overtly practice it but still maintain internal subtle biases that manifest in specific ways and so it does a good job of portraying that which a lot of these forces are not so in your face anymore but are still latent. they're still there i i think like for example right a lot of these things have moved behind the scenes so that visually they look more inclusive but it's like there's a lot of performative action for example directors for the movies have almost always been men or at least mostly men for most of the animated movie franchise i think oh here even into the the newest section of barbie it's still men all the directors are men the writers there have been women and in the newest iteration it's mostly women as far as i can see yeah. But the the people who are making decisions on how to represent Barbie, a lot of them are still male. And, and we see that in the movie, them just kind of like pointing out the hypocrisy of that. I think it's also, I really loved the amount of weight that the Kens were pulling in this movie and yeah. just like the male characters in general. They are doing, they are also having fun with this. Like I mm-hmm. love how supportive they've been to the whole experience because things that young women get mocked and 
get taken as like not serious. And that's what makes this movie so great is that it's a very unapologetic celebration of a lot of the things that women have historically liked or owned, like pink dance parties and girls nights (laughs) and sleepovers and all of these fun things. Yeah, yeah. And it couldn't have happened without this movie, uh, the, the live action movie, I feel like really couldn't have happened if the Kens weren't pulling their weight and they really were. Great film. Yeah, I guess we can move on to just talking about the role of Barbie in in this whole consumption machine that we're living in. Because yeah, yeah, there's been I feel like you know let's pull it to the real world and the environment. <laughs> like, come on, it's true. She's- like, I think that was one of the criticisms that the younger girl in the story had about Barbie, which is it really does represent capitalism at its core it's all about consumption it's about buying every piece of the set if you're gonna buy the doll you have to also buy the set you have to buy all the outfits you have to watch the movie and consume the tv series and play the video games it's just there's so much of it that's interconnected and that's built for you to spend your money and your time and the byproduct of a lot of that is waste for the most part like barbie is a lot of plastic it's a lot of things that don't last very long in its use like we would destroy barbies all the time but it'll continue to exist for decades and decades, hundreds of years, probably in some landfill in another country and and massive piles of trash or in the ocean. And so it just really does represent that push that's pretty central to our economic system in the US to continue to buy everything. I mean, when you even look now with Barbie mania, like everyone was dressing up, there were like marketing schemes to like promote the film, buy this thing, go to this restaurant with its Barbie special, rent this Airbnb, which looks like a Barbie dream house. There's Barbie cars and all these partnerships in which, again, you need to spend your money, you need to participate in the economy of Barbie. And then this goes in line and also a trend that I'm seeing with a lot of people in our age, which is like retail therapy and fashion therapy, which is this sort of hollow, short-lived mental health care or transient joy that comes from just buying and owning pretty things that kind of masquerades as self-care. And this is something that companies are happy to promote because of course it benefits them. And so I see like grains of all of that happening here, which I think is really worrisome. And I think the movie like critiques it very slightly, but ultimately it's still a Mattel produced film. And then that effect of this is that people are still going to participate more in the Barbie economy and buy more of its products and things like that. So the end result is still that capitalism and consumption will continue to win as a result of this movie well yeah even during i don't know i'm sure they did this where you are or i feel like they must have because they actually were selling barbies at the movie showing and you got a poster if you bought a barbie i didn't have that but i'm not surprised yeah yeah there was like a whole box that people could pose in like they really went hard with the marketing yeah and they did it was successful and that's going to be the model for a lot of movies to come now oh yeah uh, mattel is having their own cinematic universe in case you didn't hear yeah they're launching so many more movies oh including a barney movie with daniel (laughs) kaluuya all the it's supposed to be revolving around millennial disillusionment i think it was the term which they're really going hard (laughs) they're going hard you know it's the kind of thing where I'm gonna I know I'm gonna enjoy the first few movies because it's still novel and then it's gonna get like Marvel where it's just it feels like the same shit coming out (laughs) anyway what were we saying capitalism and consumption I see what you're saying about retail therapy and fashion therapy that that definitely pushes this consumption machine along so I mean as a practice for me I just feel like slowing down really helps build purpose into what I end up buying because sometimes I do want to buy something and there's literally a chemical response in our brain that's just going wow it's true new give me serotonin baby I'm feeling great put that card down yeah you know something you said also about the power of imagination for purchasing smaller things like a barbie and like the meaning that it presents for someone who's like a child like for me growing up the fact that I could have a beautiful princess doll in a beautiful like barbie castle that was like the epitome of luxury for me. And I could imagine myself in that position of luxury through these devices, basically like a projection. So there's something to be said about small purchases like that, terrible for the environment, terrible for consumption, things like that. But they also do bring joy in that you're able to imagine alternative realities and fantasize about that through these portals. Yeah. 
I think on that note, I'll I'll say overconsumption definitely is huge problem. I feel like it's a symptom of these these systems that we have and the way that they operate. But you shouldn't actually if you know if you have really thought about what you're buying and that you want to buy because there's this nostalgic element. I don't think you should feel so so bad if you buy one thing because we have kind of been conditioned with this idea that uh, so much onus falls on us individually yeah. to police ourselves about the environment to like help save the environment quote unquote like stop plastic usage and blah, blah blah which is which is not bad like it's good to have individual action but really let's not forget that this is a system there are like huge businesses that are profiting from this and just keeping us really stressed out so we are making those reflexive purchases to try to feel better totally so just just be mindful and but also you don't have to feel so shitty you know if you want to buy a barbie right now <laughs> like <laughs> buy please. that barbie if you want it yeah, yeah yeah that's totally true individuals play a role to be sure but it's collective action that makes change and ultimately the people who are most responsible for climate change and plastic pollution are corporations and governments and it's on systems like we need to develop proper reuse and refill systems, we need to develop proper waste systems, recycling systems, and fundamentally change systems so that it's benefiting everyone better as well as our planet. Yeah. And stand by people who are unionizing. That's really important as well. Yes. Oh, the circle is not complete. The circle. <laughs> Human rights are environmental rights. Oh my god. <laughs> we connected the beginning to the end. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Look at us go. Wow. Um, okay, okay, before we go, why are the animated movies revolutionary to you? Yes, I think I already said one, which was the celebration of, of sisterhood and female friendship was, I think, super revolutionary and something that wasn't celebrated enough in the other princess movies, which is Disney films primarily. Like a lot of times it was a solitary woman going on a journey that ended up with a man and Barbie broke that mold a lot. It gave us a different vision of what a princess story and what a heroine's journey looks like, which I think is so revolutionary at the time. It was like my eyes opened up to a new world. It's, it's kind of like how I felt when I watched my first Ghibli movie, which is like, this is a whole new world of opportunity presented through this animation. And I think that's absolutely critical because at the time we only really had Disney movies and Disney princess movies. And then we had, you know, other stuff like Shrek and DreamWorks, Pixar, of course, but we didn't really have other female centric stories and princess stories that were not Disney for the most part, other than a few here and there. But everything from the style of the animation to the color palette and everything like that was super new and unique to Barbie at the time. And I'm just so thankful for that because it really was such a limited pool at the time. And it really filled, I think, a hole that was much needed. When it comes to the live action movie, I think it's really revolutionary that, at least to my knowledge, this is the first media in which Barbie has to confront her own death and own mortality, right? Because Barbie, through all of her different movies and dolls, is kind of like this immortal, constantly reincarnating, reinventing character that reflects cultural attitudes and needs she is a reflection of society and that she has become more diverse and more feminist as society's awareness of these concepts has matured. There are Barbies that have been discontinued as toys, but Barbie as an essence is always reincarnating. But this is the first piece of media, to my knowledge, in which Barbie sort of has to have an ending. Like she meets her creator, Ruth. She meets age. She confronts thoughts of death and mortality. She meets that old woman at the playground and sees beauty in her aging. And then ultimately she chooses to become human and have real genitals, <laughs> thus becoming mortal and able to die. Of course, this is not really the end. Barbie always exists and will continue to exist so long as there is profit to be earned from her. But I think that's at least very revolutionary for this franchise. I also really appreciated the depth that Ken got, the understanding of male loneliness that is a very real part of our society, and the understanding that men do need healthier emotional outlets and relationships. Otherwise, they face risk of falling into violence and control and patriarchal ideas, isolation, and all of the very sad things that we saw the Kens undertake as a result of their obsession with Barbie and their complete dependency on her and lack of self-awareness and independence. Right. Yeah, agreed. I think the idea that we could have this singular character and be able to watch her evolve with the times 
With the movies in particular, just since we're Cartoon Revolution, but you know, obviously on a larger scale from the, the inception of Barbie, has been really interesting to watch evolve because the central themes that you are talking about that have always been central to at least the animated Barbie, but seeing how that message in itself has had to package and repackage itself as different generations of viewers are coming along and what those what those ideals look like, I think is pretty um, revolutionary and central to how we see Barbie. It, it's a franchise that has benefited a lot from the presence of these animated movies. There's a lot of messages here that are not just for women, and I hope that the the live action movie can draw in more people who maybe wouldn't have given the animated movies a chance and the animated content a chance. Yeah, I mean, it's actually, as we were talking about it, I was like, oh, there's so many elements of life in the dream house that I feel like are in the movie, and I really appreciate that anything the animated movies made this movie i'm just kidding it it did yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> but i but i think that goes to show it's like they really needed to they talk about having the dolls but i think for some of the movie themes they did have to dip into the animated um, materials as well okay yeah, Easter eggs, yeah. hot takes um, theories yeah oh okay so i had one theory this came about when i was watching the live action but basically the kens take over barbie land and then <laughs> They go to like war with each other because they're jealous of the Barbie spending time with other Kens. There's a masculine dance sequence that's evocative of Greece. And I was like wondering at this point, I was like, what direction are they going to take it? Like, what's the ultimate end game or solution for Ken? Like Ken, who is wholly dependent on Barbie, whose entire purpose is their Barbie, who has really no sense of self. And ultimately like the direction they went with which is like Ken needs to discover who Ken is and what that means but I actually thought for a second with like the whole grease sequence in the fight that it was just gonna be like Ken's all become gay for each other and like that's the solution is that Barbie is Barbie and whatever she wants to be and the Ken's just like have fun with each other in this like paradise after evolving from their patriarchy and it, I think it would have made more sense if Ken like, because he learns patriarchy, right, from, like, his experiences in LA. It would have been really funny if he saw two men kissing or something, and then, in addition to bringing patriarchy, like, brings queer ideology or, like, gayness also back to the Barbie land. Yeah, because like, it's... a queer revolution for Ken's. I but they didn't end up going that way. <laughs> that would have been so funny, because there's know, so right? many things that are so, like, in this insistence to be really masculine there's yes. so much just like homoerotic shit going yeah, on like the homoerotic broiness and like there's yeah. even some innuendos at the beginning that they make and like it's like the self-obsessiveness like the kens become obsessed with themselves and how great they are in this patriarchal system they've established so wouldn't then the next phase of that being like being obsessed with each other you know so i just thought that was a funny direction they could have taken it which they didn't but like maybe it was implied enough but yeah that was just my fun theory through the course of that movie did you have any that you wanted to add? Oh, I love I love that one. I mine is is a um, mine is like a fact. It is about the the live action movie as well. But did you know that? I mean, this this Barbie movie has been in production since two thousand, or they've been trying, they've been pushing around this Barbie movie since two thousand seventeen, I believe. Oh wow! Like it's been a long yeah. time. And originally, Amy Schumer was supposed to be Barbie. Yes, I did hear about that. Yeah, and eventually like i think anne hathaway was approached for the role and it just kept changing mm. and then eventually margot robbie picked it up but can you imagine like how different this movie would be with either yeah. of those two actresses i think it, it I, I mean obviously i think the idea of what they were going for in the beginning changed as well just mm -hmm. as yeah, as it yeah. happens but i have been pleasantly surprised by the outcome yeah like i'm sure you have thoughts please contribute them on our social media or to our email always love to hear your thoughts on like what it was like watching these movies growing up and what they mean to you now or like what it was like to watch this new movie and reflect on your relationship with barbie as a child yeah especially if you have a different relationship than we did i mean we talked mm -hmm. a lot about the the original iteration of barbie in the animated movies like that phase of barbie but mm -hmm. now it's changed so much i mean just mm -hmm. watching big city big dream 
memes with mm-hmm. Malibu Barbie and Brooklyn Barbie and <laughs> and all the like dance and singing numbers and just like the themes in there and how that has been packaged differently. Like I'm I'm just curious what people's relationship has become because they're definitely trying to be more inclusive mm-hmm. and. I think actually in the second phase of Barbie, so that starts with A Mermaid's Tale, it's still kind of this like pretty whitewashed inclusivity, quote unquote. But they start including some class consciousness at least. They uh, did. Yeah, that's the thing is like, it's not like it's all bad. I think that's why Mm. I want to hear from people of different, who have different relationships of the different sequences, because like we said, it's not all shitty and it's Mm -hmm. not all perfect either. Mm -hmm. So we want to hear from you because we both of us have pretty similar we're pulling from pretty similar um mm. pools so anyway all right yeah. have bye, fun barbie. if you haven't watched the barbie movie go ahead and do that and then let us know your thoughts bye everyone bye Mwah. barbie bye thanks for joining us on cartoon revolution episodes drop the first week of every month on spotify apple podcasts and most other major podcast platforms follow us on instagram at cartoonrevolution.pod. That's cartoonrevolution.pod. Tell us what you're watching and share your hot takes with us. Music is from The Musical Ghost. See you next time. See you soon. Mwah.